Um, we just might turn our attention now to the regional economy. And of course, it's very close to our hearts in, in agribusiness. Um, agri is a critical component to regional landscapes and, and regional economies. And of course, agri has been going incredibly well through higher prices and um, and profitability and great production years. So no doubt that's been feeding really strongly into local economies, although it can be a bit hard to see where that exactly translates. Um, but one thing that uh, the COVID pandemic did highlight, I think, was that it or it actually shone a light on, on regional. And um, whilst uh, the cities uh, really battled in both uh, living conditions and lockdowns and, and business conditions through those lockdowns, you know, regional experienced that as well. And it was most evidently felt perhaps through the, the border towns where we had a whole range of um, different state regulations uh, playing out and restricting movements. But by and large, the regional economy kept moving on. And, um, it, you know, it, it it was a demonstration, I think, of the importance of diversity in our economy to have the internal um, sort of geographic component of our, of our, our economy moving really well still, and also around population distribution. Um, the wide open spaces of regional um, that many have long um, recognised as a fantastic uh, lifestyle and business opportunity to be out in the regions. But um, the less dense populations, of course, meant that regional regional was able to operate more effectively um, through what was otherwise a, an incredibly difficult time managing populations in our cities. So the Australian Bureau of Statistics um, released a range of numbers, and I think uh, without dwelling too heavily on the detail for the for the listening audience, um, when we looked at employment growth numbers and and wages growth and and population growth, there's a few things. One is that the regional economy performed particularly well through the COVID period, um, and indeed within agri, even we saw. Uh, a significant contribution from the uh, agri-forestry and fishing sector to GDP growth in that sort of 20 to 22 period. Um, but we also saw leading into the COVID period, so from that two, uh, 2015 period through to 2020, we're already starting to see signs of a pretty robust regional economy and a bit of a shift. And often we think about people shifting rural and regional on the basis of lifestyle. But I think it's also highlighting that there are many well-invested um, business and growth opportunities out in regional as well that that has a high demand for labour, um, is involved in some really specialist and, and profitable enterprise. And those things are becoming more evident. Um, and one thing that the, the COVID pandemic brought about um, was, of course, this new world of workplace flexibility. And in some ways, as people are able to better access technology and communication and even transport links and things to make living um, uh, an easier uh, potential and possibility out in the regions, um, it kind of has meant the same thing for workers in the cities who now can spend more time at home and in the suburbs, perhaps in the way that they go about their work and whether they, these were the same people that might have 
otherwise moved regionally or not, it's a bit hard to tell. But I think that ongoing notion of workplace flexibility um, is an ace perhaps for the attractiveness of, of many of the regions. Now, the one thing that has been coming through in some of the numbers has been that the migration, if you like, from cities tends more heavily towards the regional cities as opposed to regional and more rural uh, town settings. And there's all kinds of anecdotal stories around this, but I think what's playing out, there's obviously been a bit of hub sort of centralisation in the in the states where bigger regional cities have um, benefited perhaps from uh, a consolidation of, of smaller towns really running out of services and population, but these bigger regional cities have become really vibrant places to live and work. Um, they uh, have great and improved services and facilities and infrastructure. So education, schools, hospitals, etc. There's more examples today, I think, in regional cities uh, where you can enjoy a very urban-like lifestyle, but still be in that sort of country regional community. Um, obviously, there's challenges around all of this because I don't think anyone's suggesting for a moment that um, the infrastructure needs around health and education in particular are, are at all met for the demand that actually exists in regional. But um, by comparison and where uh, from where we've been before, I think that looks a lot healthier today in regional than it had in the past. Um, the other thing, I guess, is that uh, when it comes to population growth, it tends towards the regional cities that are still close to the big cities and um, the smaller states of, of Victoria, uh, Tasmania and to a point uh, South Australia benefit strongly from this in regional and um, the more, into the bigger states and the more regional and, re, and rural and remote you go, um, the less benefits are seen in the stats around population, uh, wages and employment growth. So I, I think uh, this story as people read the production will be one of hey, there are great opportunities in regional. Regional's doing really well. Um, it was performing well leading into the pandemic. Um, it proved a, a great piece of resilience for the Australian economy as the pandemic took place. Um, but I don't think it's a case that everyone then reverts back to city living post-COVID. Um, there seems to be a sustainable uh, world of, of new living and opportunities in regional. And I think that's really positive um, for our broader economy and our own population. And so let's keep an eye on that over the coming years. And um, and let's hope that, um, that there are really great opportunities for business and people outside of the city so that, heaven forbid, should we find ourselves towards any kind of pandemic in the future, um, we still have a strong and robust regional economy that will serve our country well. Um, Michael, I'll hand over to you for any feeling or comment that you might have on this, even anecdotally from your travels. and. Um, and maybe get your thought. Do you think that um, do you think that the new world order is going to see a, a resettling back to where we were before pre-COVID, or is this a real opportunity for regional? Do you think to come out the other side better than ever? 
Mark, I, I'd go with your second one. I have to say it's always fascinated me when you compare Australia and the US, countries basically the same size, but for so many years we took for granted that we had six or so big cities uh, and the regionals were just so different, whereas the US, yes, a bigger population, but a model where it had a number of major cities in every, every state and right across the country where the commercial side of things was there, where the universities were there, uh, and that's a huge drawcard in, in society as well, um, where the transport was great between all of them. And we really positively now, and as our paper shows, really do see ourselves heading in that direction. Uh, a huge part of it is that the services and opportunities are out there, um, the education side, the health side, the manufacturing side, and agriculture absolutely ties into this. So we are seeing that fundamental shift. Uh, it is also, as you point out, quite different state by state. Um, in New South Wales, for example, uh, you do have a, a number of those, those major centres. Uh, Queensland stands out as being, I think, still the only state where not the majority of the population lives in the capital city. Western Australia is different yet again. Uh, after Perth, most of the cities are smaller and really needs a different thought as far as uh, regional development policy and process goes. But we absolutely seem to be on the cusp of fundamental change, and that really has so many positives about it. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. And and there there are so many positives. I, I guess I guess if we look at part of the challenge, and I, and I think when it comes to labour availability, um, rural and regional has always been a that issue has been more pronounced than in the cities. And today we see it as a major problem everywhere and it's no more felt than in regional. So on one hand, uh, labour availability is a real thing. And I think anecdotally, when you speak to farming and other businesses in regional locations, it's not a case that everyone who wants a job just has a job and that's that. You've got a lot of businesses who would uh, employ more labour if they could only access labour. So um, that that is a that is a constraint at the moment out there in the regions. And and the another big one, and there's probably many, but um, when we talk about the need for infrastructure and services and so on, um, housing is another major challenge where we do need more labour, and there might be project opportunities available, but do we have uh, the homes and, and the industry to support um, a new volume of, of people living regionally? Uh, perhaps not. Are all the settings right for that? Um, perhaps not. So I think there's still a, a great case to be made going forward around not only policy development, but even as um, the private sector thinks to how it can attract and engage with um, bigger and better professional and skilled workforces regionally, uh, will be fascinating to see. So, um, yeah, let's watch it with interest and hope uh, another year or so on that we are seeing the sustained growth of regional. That's all we have time for today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I hope that was a good update for you on a range of key issues. Uh, look forward to seeing you out in the, um, in the market in the next little while before our spring edition comes around. So on behalf of Michael, Alana and Adelaide, thank you so much and look forward to seeing you soon.